Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo-jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Parmar. We'll be chatting with Steven today. He is another financial advisor who I hold in high regard. He has been in the real estate industry and financial service industry for the last 16 years. Till 2009, he was mainly focused on real estate, but after the financial crisis, he saw a huge need to help people manage their finances in a more efficient manner and moved into financial services with a focus on debt management and spending habits. As his practice progressed, he offers full financial planning with focus on cash flow management, tax planning, investment positioning, and asset protection with uh, tax planning purposes as well. Welcome, Stephen, to Wealth Matters Podcast. How are you today? Hey, Alpesh, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me today. How are you doing? Good, good. Hey, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Of course, man. Hey, so can you tell us what you do? Yeah, so me and my business partner, we have a uh, wealth advisory uh, firm here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Our office is located in San Ramon, California. And we, um, we help clients with uh, really kind of a main focus on four things. We do uh, cash flow management, investment positioning, tax planning, and estate preservation. Um, some of our biggest focus is really around uh, advanced tax planning for uh, wealthy individuals, as long uh, along with small to medium-sized business owners. Uh, interesting. And I think we do want to talk about that particular aspect of your advisory services, right? How, how do you uh, look into tax planning or tax saving investments? So there is a, there's a few different there's quite a few different strategies that are out there depending on the client situation and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, there's some, there's a, there's a new exciting strategy that came out um, at the end of 2017 in the, called the opportunity zones, which is a, which is a phenomenal tax advantage for investors who have any capital gains issues. Um, and then, you know, we, we also get into charitable LLCs and different things like that as well, just depending on what the client's needs are and what they're trying to accomplish and if they need their uh, cash liquid uh, now or if they um, don't mind leaving it uh, unliquid for a longer period of time, then, then we'll choose different strategies based upon those requirements. Interesting. I, I just heard you mention about Opportunity Zone. Can you explain what it is? Yeah, so the opportunity zone—it's uh, very, to me, it's very exciting. It's uh, it's a new, it's a new strategy that uh, that came out in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. Um, what opportunity zones are though specifically? They are low-income, basically census tracts that have been nominated by the um, different governors in 50 states. Oh really? Also, yes, and, and and it's also certified by the U.S. Department uh, Department of Treasury. So so that's also nice that it's uh, um, it's it's approved on the state level and the federal level. And basically, what it what it's for it's really to encourage investors to reinvest capital gains into these areas. 
So, so, so these, these census tracts are, are lower income type areas that really haven't seen the, the big economic boom that a lot of the other parts of the country have seen over the right. last years. And this is a way for, for basically the government to incentivize these investors to be able to invest into these uh, lower income census tracts. And what's crazy is um, one of the big reasons why they're doing this is because they estimate that taxpayers currently hold over $6 trillion. That's what the T, unrealized wow. means. Um, so the government sees this as a huge resource for ep economic development in these opportunity zones. Yeah, makes makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing some of the stuff that they put together for this. So so uh, uh, if I understand correctly, government wants investors or wealthy individuals or whomsoever to invest in this uh, you know low income neighborhood so that this in you know low income neighbor neighborhood also grows and props up uh, you know property value and of course uh, attracts you know, better paying jobs or, or, or whatnot, right? Correct. Well as, Correct. Kind of a gentrification, though, right? Correct, yeah. They're, you know, they're, um, the government has done this in the past with, uh, with, with um, tax credits and, um, and different things like that to, to invest in certain areas. But, but this, this specific opportunity zone has really, um, I feel, streamlined and made the process much easier for investors. And the government's trying to have these investors move all that money that's sitting in these different capital gains, either it's stocks or real estate or whatever it might be, and move it so it can move into these other lower income areas and really help um, those areas prosper better. Interesting. So where are these opportunity zones located? You did mention it's in 50 states, but uh, is it just one area in each state or maybe in a small neighborhood or it's, it, you have a lot of opportunities? So there's, um, there's quite a bit of opportunities um, in, in each state. So each governor was given um, the, the, the chance to go out and designate um, certain opportunity zones in their state. So all 50 states have them. There is opportunity zone maps out there that, that, that people can go and look and see what is an opportunity zone in their specific state. But not only that, um, it's also opportunity zones are located in US territories. So what's interesting is most of Puerto Rico is actually an opportunity zone, which wow. is pretty cool. Wow, that's, that's cool. It's a, it's a tax haven. Yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. No, it, it it is, and it's you know it's paradise down there. It's a beautiful place, yeah. um, and and you know people can invest money down there and receive exactly. some tax benefits. Wow. So, uh, can you spell out the benefits of opportunity zones in detail? Yeah, for sure. So there's there's four main benefits for investors to invest in opportunity zones. I'll just kind of run through the four of them real quick and give a brief description. Sure. Uh, the first one is deferral of capital gains. So what does this mean? So any, any type of capital gains, you can invest into opportunity zones and get a deferral on paying those capital gains. So this can be short-term or long-term capital gains. It can be from stock. It can be from a, selling a real estate property. It can be from selling a business or this any is, other asset. This yes. is exciting. Yeah. No, so I don't have to go from real estate to real estate. I can actually go from stocks. Like I'm pretty sure, you know, in Bay Area, a lot of people have 
tons of stock uh, gain and I can invest my stock gain into opportunity zone real estate. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, and the great thing about it is, is uh, if you, if you invest whatever gains you invest into this opportunity zone, you don't have to pay taxes on those original gains until December 31st of 2026. Oh my God. So I can leverage all that money yeah, and invest in something and I don't have to pay taxes for almost eight, uh, eight years. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, that, that, that's what's awesome about it, is that you're basically using, in a way, the you know, federal you know, tax dollars that would have went to the federal government. You can actually use that in your favor as a compounding over the next eight years to build wealth more. Go for it. I, I, you know, I'll be interested myself. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's just one of the four. Um, the 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 next one is the reduction of capital gains. This is a this one's really great as well. So what that means is that if you invest in any opportunity zone and you hold that investment for at least five years, you'll get a ten percent step up in basis. Hmm. And then if you hold it for an additional two years, so a total of seven years, they'll give you a step up of 15% in basically. Yes, so five more percent, right? Five, if you yes, have five, two more. Exactly, years. exactly. Yeah. Five more percent. So, so you know, basically what, what that means for, for any investor out there, let's, let's just say, you know, example-wise, if you bought $500,000 worth of Amazon stock 10 years ago, and now it's worth $1.5 million, and you decide to sell that stock, well, you can, that, that million dollars you put into the opportunity zone, if you hold it there for at least seven years, you only have to pay tax on 850,000. Wow. So that's, uh, that's a pretty awesome incentive that, that, that's included with the opportunity zone. And then there's, uh, there's also two more. This next one I think is the, is the best one and the most exciting for me. It's the elimination of capital gains taxes for the um, for investments in opportunity zones. So what does that mean? So any gains, so any gains made inside of in, inside of the opportunity zone investment, as long as it's held for ten years, it's held for at least ten years. It's all federal tax free. So so you are saying that I won't have to pay any tax, nada, zero. You won't have to pay any federal tax. Um, okay. States, states will, um, if, the, if the states participate in, um, in the Federal Opportunity Zone um, Act, then, then, then you can also eliminate the, the state tax as well, but definitely on the federal side. Wow. You would not have to pay any federal tax on the capital gains um, from the investment made in the Opportunity Zone if you held it for at least That's 10 That's huge. It's, no, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, even if you didn't have a capital gains issue, right. you wanted to put money into an opportunity zone, <laughs> you still get that benefit. So it just anything invested, as long as you hold it for 10 years, you won't have to pay any federal uh, um, capital or any federal tax on that. That's amazing. I'm, I'm definitely even more interested. Yeah, and then it is, and then then uh, I'll pass on the on the last one is um, the, the last benefit is the possible state income tax benefits, 
and I kind of alerted to this just a second ago, um, this will depend on the state where the stockholder is uh, domiciled at. Um, but if that state conforms to the federal opportunity zone regulations, then they would actually be able to benefit on the state tax side. Um, each person would have to check specifically for right. their where they live to see if it does. Um, one sad thing, though, Alpash, is that unfortunately California does not conform with it. That's what I thought. Yeah. Know, poor yeah. California, right? I know. Poor California. We, we don't have make enough, uh, you know, we don't, <laughs> we don't yeah, make they, enough taxes. I know. I know, right? Well, at least we still get a break on the federal side, though. I see. No, federal is amazing. Can't complain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. So um, I think the benefits that, that there is no question about these benefits, but the problem is most of the investors or these wealthy individuals do not know about it or don't even know how to get started. And, and of course, uh, I, I'm not an expert. You know, I learned from you and some other friends about opportunity zones, right? Yes. Even for me to take advantage of it, it was pretty hard trying to find the property and, and figuring all this out. So, do I have to purchase a property in the opportunity zone to take advantage of this, uh, all these benefits or are there other avenues? That's a really good question. So um, there are different ways to participate um, in, inside of opportunity zones. Um, one of the ways you can do it, you can physically buy um, property in opportunity zones, but you have to, you have to make sure that you follow the strict guidelines that are set by the, um, by the Department of Treasury to be able to make sure it becomes tax advantage for you. Um, I, I personally don't recommend doing it that way. What, what I would recommend for, for, for most investors out there is finding a, a really good qualified opportunity zone fund to invest in and just receive all the benefits without all the headache of trying to follow all the guidelines. So that would be my recommendation is find find a really good opportunity zone fund that has um, a good business plan and just invest that way. So there are already opportunity zone specific funds out there? Uh, yes, there are. There's uh, there's there's a few funds that are out there. Some are good, some are, you know, some are okay. You, you, you know, there's there's a fund I work with that um, that I like a lot. Um, I think they they offer a lot of great benefits. Um, there's there's other funds out there that are um, not as uh, um, advantageous based upon fee structure, things like that. And then also the biggest thing people need to worry about is because this is going to get pretty big, and you and you got to make sure that whatever fund you go into that the that the operators have experience in this in in real estate development and they're buying good buying out good locations because getting a great tax advantage does not offset a bad investment that's so, true so so it, you know I, I caution everybody who, who starts hearing about these to make sure that you're really looking at um, a good fund that has a track record and uh, and, and has a very solid man that's the golden nugget right there. Yeah. So, um, and I remember you mentioned about a REIT as well. So is there a difference between a REIT and a fund? Yeah, so there, um, there's some, 
there's some different advantages specifically about um, this one uh, REIT that I, that I personally like, that they um, have some great advantages over a traditional real estate fund. So a traditional real estate, real estate fund typically charges higher carried interest fees and does not have the pass-through deductions of dividend income that a REIT has. Oh. So, for, so, so for example, carried interest typically in a lot of these real estate funds is about 20%. Oh, where, wow. Yeah, I know. It's significant. It's, Yes, yes, it is. And then also, um, they, they also don't have the um, care or the, um, the pass through deduction for dividend income. So with this specific REIT that, um, that, that I like, they only charge 5% for carried interest. And since they're a REIT, REITs have a special provision where the pass through deduction for dividend, for, for dividend income is, is taxed at 20%. So that is great compared to a lot of other dividend income where it, it gets taxed at the long-term or, or the uh, short-term uh, capital gains or, or ordinary income tax rate. Okay, that's interesting. So let's take a break, Stephen. Yep. You're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S, dot com. Welcome back, everyone. We are chatting with Steven about Opportunities Zone Fund and REITs. Hey, so... Uh, and also, uh, is there a difference between uh, like a public REIT, listed, non-listed, and um, is the, the REIT we are talking about for opportunity zone, is that a, you know, listed or non-listed REIT? Yeah, so, um, so what's, what's interesting is that this is the first um, public non-listed uh, REIT out there for opportunity zones. And there Plus. are... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The first one. So, so, so these guys are very, um, I think forward thinking ahead of the curve. I think they, you know, have really thought through this quite well and there, and there are, um, three main advantages for being a public, uh, a public non-listed REIT. Uh, the first one is that it's registered as a public company. And what that means is that it provides its shareholders and institutional reporting, transparency and oversight without the volatility of the stock market. So really, really what that means for, for the um, investor is that there's more transparency in this investment because it is registered with the SEC. Uh, the, the second one is the public company registration allows for non-credited investors to actually invest in this. So they are. Um, so what that means is that investors are subject to a ten thousand dollar minimum. So you have to come in with at least ten thousand. But um, and then there's and, and then you just got to meet the um, qualified investor status. So this specific re um, has has some qualifications you have to meet, but um, nothing nothing major there compared to to not um, other funds that are not publicly registered where you have to be a qualified investor meaning you have to make at least $250,000 or have a million dollars worth of assets. Yeah, so I, yeah, I was going there. Uh, so when you mentioned qualified, it's not 
uh, similar to accredited investors, right? Where correct, uh, where it's pretty strict. <laughs> correct, exactly. Yeah, you can you can literally invest into this REIT for as little as ten thousand dollars. Oh wow! So uh, so let me rephrase this. Uh, pretty much everyone listening to this uh, can invest in this REIT. Uh, because 10 grand is nothing. It's a very small barrier because other investments I have seen requires 50 grand or even 100 grand as minimum. And second, you don't have to be accredited investors. Exactly, exactly. So, so that's, that's, the, that's the second benefit. And then the third one for, for which I think is very big is that public registration gives the, uh, the companies the ability to list their shares on the stock exchange, you know, such as, you know, the, the, the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ. So the plan with this re is that in about eight years, they will go public, which then gives all the investors much, uh, much easier, um, easier ways to exit out of the investment if they yeah, want. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah liquidity. Right. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Well, that is, uh, that are some pretty uh, interesting points. And I, I, I'm surprised that there is no other company out there doing the same thing. This, you know, this uh, read uh, you are talking about is the first one. Is the first one. Yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be other ones that will follow, but I don't, you know, pretty sure they won't have the, all the, uh, all the great benefits that this REIT has with the, with the low carried interest and, um, and their fee structures, um, so that that would be able to compete with them. So that's why I'm excited. So can you talk about the track record of the owners or the managers of this REIT? Yeah, so they they have a pretty uh, extensive track record. They are they they specialize. What what's interesting about this REIT is that they're going to be specializing in multifamily units. Um, so their, their, their background is building brand new multifamily units from the ground up and they'll usually have the first floor as commercial and then the rest, uh, um, and the rest of the floors will, will be all apartment complexes. Wow. I like multifamily. Multi, <laughs> That's what I, I try to too. invest in, right? So this is even better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, no. I, um, I, I love it as well. They, uh, you know, it, it generates cash flow, which is awesome. And, um, and you know, and it's and it's something that you know everybody needs a place to live. So. Exactly, everyone needs a place to live, and it's more diversified because instead of one or two doors, you'll have two hundred, four hundred, five hundred doors. Exactly, uh, exactly, exactly. Yes, and, and 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 these guys have done multiple projects. Um, they also have um, some of their um, some of their top executives are from the um, from Avalon Bay. Um, used to used to be executives at Avalon Bay, which is one of the biggest apartment complexes uh, or multifamily units in the country. So, so, so they have a very extensive uh, um, um, management team with with years and years of experience, specifically in multifamily. So that's why I really like what they're putting together here. talk about returns and numbers, uh, just uh, you know, at high level, just giving us an idea. Yeah. Um, so this, this specific re is going to be, um, you know, ideally you want to be holding these investments for 10 years, right? Because that's where you get the real tax advantage. That's the, that's the, that's when you get the maximum benefit. Out. Correct. Correct. That's when you get the maximum benefit and they're, they're, they're estimating that they're, um, 
or go to, you know, investors should be seeing returns of about 12 to maybe 14% over a 10 year hold. Okay. And then, you know, uh, with the, um, on the dividend side, once the properties are built and they're, um, and it's spitting out cash flow from rents, you can be expecting anywhere from a six to 8% annual return. Yeah, that's not bad. And if I hold it for 10 years, I don't have to pay any taxes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. So um, I think we are at the end of the you know podcast. Did we forget to talk about anything in particular, Stephen? Or I for- I missed anything? Um, let me see. I think one thing I'd say is that uh, one of the things that we've not, not really touched on was um, when you when you sell any type of asset. So I think this is very, very unique. And then people who are familiar with the uh, 1031 exchanges, um, they, will, they will understand why this is so unique. So, so usually when you're out there and you sell a property um, and you, and you wanna roll it over uh, um, to another property because you don't wanna pay the tax, you do a 1031 on it, you have to roll over the entire cost basis and gain into that new investment. One of the great things about the opportunity zone is if you sell any asset, all you got to put into the opportunity zone is the gains. You can do whatever you want with the cost basis. You can go spend it on whatever you want. You just got to roll the gains into the opportunity zone and you delay the tax. That, that's, that's amazing again. <laughs> yeah. Because this is, I was going to say this is 1031 on steroids, but it's not even in on steroids. This is like hundred times better than 1031. It's a, it's a hundred times better. And, you know, and, 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 and people who have stocks that, you know, that, yes. that, that have seen a great appreciation over this huge bull run we've had over the last 10 years and they want to get out, but they don't want to pay all that capital gains. This is a great way that they can get out, take their cost basis, go buy something else, go do something else with it and, and let their, let their gains um, roll for another eight years in, in a, in a, you know, more solid, I believe safe real estate investment vehicle um, and receive a bunch of tax benefits for it. Yeah. So, and, and just to remind my listeners that 1031 exchange allows you to exchange out of one real estate investment to another and you can, keep carrying that capital gain into the next investment, but there are lots of restrictions. One of the big restrictions is you have to identify uh, max three properties within 30 days of you know um, your, the sale of your investment property, and then you have to close on one of the three identified properties within 180 days, right? So there are lots of restrictions, uh, but you know you have something like this where you can just invest just the gain and you don't have to invest the entire you know uh, cost basis as well as you can go from stocks or any kind of capital gains into this this is a no-brainer at least for me yeah no this is uh this is awesome it's going to be um it's it's going to get bigger and bigger more people are starting to find out about it um you know one of the i i think this is the best time to get in because right now this is this is such a new new um, opportunity that we don't know how the laws will change or, or adapt or morph into. But um, as of right now, the, the earlier you get in, the, the longer you can delay the taxes that were due on your capital gains, because as of right now, um, December 31st of 2026 is when your capital gains will be due. 
So if you get in this year compared to getting in two years from now, you're, you're not delaying your capital gains as long. So um, that could change, but as of right now, the law is at, at December 31st, 2026, you gotta pay your taxes on the original uh, capital gains you put into the investment. So the earlier you get in, the, the longer that can be delayed. Oh, this is awesome. So personally, I'm going to sign up, even though I, I don't have any capital gain right now, but this is a no brainer just to hold it for diversifying as well as just to get in 10 grand, nothing else, right? So yeah. sign me up. <laughs> exactly. Now, you, you, know, you know how to reach me, so. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so um, if, if uh, anything else uh, in particular? I, I think we covered a lot of the stuff that uh, all the uh, kind of high level important, um, important points for the opportunity zone. You know, it's just, uh, I believe it's a great opportunity and, and I think a lot of people are going to see it as well. So. Thank you so much, Steven. I really Thank you, learned, learned a lot today and appreciate you being here. Looking forward to chatting with you in next week or so about how I can get started with this week. Likewise, look forward to it. And uh, thanks again for having me on. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing.